Today, everybody's spoiled run. When I was a boy, we didn't have these video games. We made up our own games, like chew the bark off the tree. You and your friends would find a nice oak tree and you start chewing the skin off of it. And there were no winners. Everybody was a loser. It rotted your teeth and left your intestines scarred and knotted. And that's the way it was, and we liked it. We loved it. Progress. Liberty Field. Welcome to Marcus Played, the movie podcast about movie podcasts and the discussions that come from them. I'm Hiro of the True Bromance Film Podcast, and joining me is Mr. Michael Denniston of the great but highly infrequent Sober Cinema. In this episode, we're focusing on our hairlines and the onslaught of Father Time. As the skin is getting flabbier and the newspaper becomes even more appealing, are we no longer holding our favorite films of our youth in high esteem, or are they simply coming along for the ride of life? This week, we're highlighting a few podcasts that help us debate this premise and also prepare us for the quickly approaching abyss that is old age. Without further ado, here is our show. So welcome back to Marcus Played. So Michael Denniston, um, you're getting to be an old man. I think, uh, yeah, we've talked about Green Book enough this morning. I'm yeah. clearly an old man. Watched yeah, my yeah. Uh, CBS this morning. Had that set on the DVR. I'm Did you read uh, your copy of the Wall Street Journal that you have delivered to your house every morning? Did hey, you read that? Hey, I'm, not, I'm not quite in that uh, tax bracket, my man. So not yet. <laughs> one day, yeah, one day. Not yet. So <laughs> um, I was listening to a podcast recently, and I guess I'll just jump into it because it, it, it lays the groundwork here for what I want to talk about. And it's a podcast I really like a lot. We talked about on on a previous show that some podcasts I listen to sight and scenes. In other words, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie, but I enjoy the patter, the conversation so much that I'll still listen to the podcast. And that's F This Movie. I've heard of them. Oh, yeah, okay. Just cool. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So F This Movie. I really like that podcast. Um, and uh, they were just – so that, so kind of tying into you here is they did an episode that was called Nine from 99. So I'm sure that it sounded a little familiar to you because you host Weak. a – Weak. <laughs> You <laughs> 99 from 99 exactly yeah. <laughs> great year though there's actually another uh another podcast that uh started um after we we uh we launched that uh that also is focusing on movies from 1999 but i don't think they have any certain number i think they just want to right. talk about but there's a lot of shows in there a popular one from the 80s as well that's like doing every i think like every, every movie month. from like yeah 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 i, I actually uh, listen to that every now and then it's 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 uh eyes are bigger than it's uh than its belly you know what i mean because so <laughs> oh, okay. they're just firing uh, too much at me i think you know, gotcha. they're, they're covering all these really obscure movies that came out in like 84 and some of them i don't know if they merit the conversation but that's not okay. what we're talking about here. We're talking about F this movie. We're talking about uh, you getting old, um, gotcha. that hairline getting further and further back. We're in a uh, cap today. You don't know how far back it's gone since last we spoke. <laughs> <laughs> Soon you'll be the, the new nasty Hellcat. But, um, don't take yet another thing from him. I mean, he's had enough taken from him alive. He'll always have his gaming chair. But uh, So they were talking about on this 9 for 99 thing about these films from 99 and how a lot of them – they're young man's movies, I believe, is what uh, the host said. Because mm-hmm. these are some of these are young man's movies. He's talking about a movie called Drop Dead Gorgeous, which I haven't seen, 
But I've not seen that one either. But I, so I apologize to the fans of Dropped. Yeah, Gorgeous. I mean, comedy is so yeah. subjective, yeah. and we are admitting that. Hey, it's just not for us. And at one point, mm-hmm. it was for me, and I just I realized my tastes have changed. Yeah, it's not that I was offended by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get what it's doing. It's just it presents a worldview that I just can't really get on board with anymore, and don't really find all that funny i think if you kept a lot of the same jokes and you just changed the attitude and made this movie sort of like these people despite Mm -hmm. some of the things that happened i think that's a very different movie there's a few movies from 99 um that we're not talking about tonight but i've referred to them as like a young person's movie okay and so like fight club i called like a young man's movie Um, where it like could mean the world to you at a certain age, but then you get a little older and you're like, okay. Um, uh, and then like, or like American beauty is also like, oh boy. Yeah. You're, you know, you're describing me in 99. Like if you never saw ordinary people right. and like you saw or a movie, beauty, yeah, uh, it could be like the suburbs are a big lie. It's like stuff like that. As they watch it now, you know, it's not that it's offensive. It's not that, you know, the racial stereotypes have changed and, or any, like, you know, it's not that it's doing anything really bad, but it's a little mean spirited in the way its tone is. And I think that as these guys have gotten older, you know, further and further away, you got kids, you got mm. bills and light payments and all that crap that you have a different perspective on it and it just doesn't hold up. You just, that worldview changes. So I was thinking about what are some films or, that have changed that I re- maybe that I really loved when I was a, a a young buck that no longer sort of appeal to me or I just perceive them in a different way. Um, so I don't know. I'm mean, kind of putting you on your heels a little bit, but do you have sort of that experience? You're a little bit younger than I am, and we have very different ex- life experiences. You're not much younger, but you're a little younger. So like two years or something? Like No, man. I, I think I'm easily like almost 10 years older than you. Seriously? I didn't know that. I'm okay. like 42. 42. Okay. So yeah, it's not quite ten. I don't know. So not two. I'm not forty yet. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pimp well, out. Our life to, experiences are different though, because I've got kids and I've got that all ages kinds of you shit up going on. twenty years probably. <laughs> so, yeah, it's aging me. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll pimp out uh, ninety nine from ninety nine. There uh, you go. Again, an episode we did on Office Space, which I don't think off uh, the top would be seen as like, oh, that's a young man's movie although i'm sure there's a lot of young people that liked it at the time found it funny um that is one that i had a very different experience with watching it uh and i did see it i was one of the few and on the episode uh sort of shocked my co-host saying like hey i saw this opening weekend when wow. i was like 16 years old oh yeah um, wow but I, I saw like it was a glorious time like especially like when i first got my license what i do i went to the movies like every week like that's because i i now i can just see everything you know, i was not up to someone to like take me and drop me off office space mike judge beavis and butthead it's not nearly like a one-to-one as far as like the aims uh but i at least was aware of who he was so as a teenager totally agreed with the characters as far as like that's hell on earth like that's like the most awful thing in the world like to work in a cubicle how obnoxious that would be like i'd never want to do that and, and when now we did you're the one pod- of the bobs. <laughs> well, when we did the lumbered? podcast for it, uh, who am I? Um, I don't know if I'm. Uh, I'm actually any of the characters because I don't know if any of the characters actually work in the office. 
uh, approach it the way I, I think a lot of people would. I don't think I'm so you're the guy at tchotchkes, you know, the really enthusiastic <laughs> guy trying to fling the chicken flickers or whatever. You know what? I'm going to accept. I'm going to go with your your first nomination. I'm one of the Bobs. I think one of the Bobs <laughs> is better than the tchotchkes guy, a Michael Bolton guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, now I think people would look at that and they'd be like, "What the fuck are you complaining about?" Like, you have a job where you don't have to do much. Yes, it's boring, but you sort of sit at your desk. And for me, I'm thinking I can listen to whatever podcast I want, and apparently oh, whatever gosh. volume I want to listen to, because that, that seems to be a consternation in the film. And you take long lunch breaks. You spend a lot of time standing around the office bitching with other people about your lot in life, not really doing thing, not being on task, and eating Cheetos. And like getting promoted and like, you know, just playing, what is it? What is he playing on there? Like Tetris. Yeah. And so you're the, giving me the, the vanilla sky treatment here. What's wrong with Cameron Diaz? <laughs> That's what you're doing here, right? Well, what's wrong well, with that job, right? You know, uh, the, a little the bit. Biggest, the biggest concern you have is that your TPS reports don't have the fucking cover sheet or whatever. Not too bad. You know, nothing's you just, falling on you. you. Know, yeah. That you have to just ignore someone reminding you of something you already know how to do. And I mean, you don't even have to pay attention. Just, you know, I'd be thinking about something else. What I'd be thinking about what movie I'm going to see that weekend, whatever. Uh, I didn't want to stick up for myself a little bit. Even as a teenager, I was always pro Cameron Diaz from Vanilla Sky. I thought that guy, I, th- I thought that was what the dream sequence was going to be. It was having that life. What was it, like six bed. times? Fuck. I mean, <laughs> talk I about the ultimate back for that. It's speaking of getting older, like, you know what I'm saying? Well, I've the already sequence in uh, Vanilla Sky, he is pulling, I think, one gray hair. And it, I guess it's because of Cameron Diaz, her, uh, you know, her demands to be ravished so many times in one, one evening. But yeah, man, I don't know how, how that dude, that, that, I couldn't do that in a month. I'd be over there. I, I play, uh, Tetris more than, <laughs> than that. I'm rolling over and just going to sleep. <laughs> Well, speaking of getting uh, old, <laughs> yeah, I guess that kind of falls into it. But uh, I, I think most people would probably look at something like Fight Club would probably be one that may oh, yeah. be accused of that. Although I don't know about your experience, but in my repeat viewings of Fight Club, I think it slightly changes maybe in who your allegiance is to. But I don't think it becomes something to where I am totally disregarding the characters' reactions to things. I mean, and that movie's a little bit further out there than something so, Office Space. With Fight Club, I will. I will defend myself here is it hasn't changed for me because I was never really on their side when I watched it. I thought it was a really well done movie, had fun with it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when the big complaint is marketing and capitalism and, and consumerism and things like that, you know, it, there, I think the the uh, Ed Norton character goes on a little bit of a rant or something like that, I, whatever. But I I thought all those things he said sounded good, man. I want more stuff. You know, I want more, <laughs> a nicer car. I want a fancier house. Well, we're seeing a little bit of that, right? Like, um, there, there's this, like, the last, I don't know, five years, maybe, this movement uh, towards minimalism that you're seeing, or, like, the, the small home sort of culture. Oh, I think, I get mean, out of here. That stuff comes from, like, and I, some of that I, I understand. I mean, you can look behind me. like the, the oh, I, I was of, about to comment. I was just giving you a second, but I was going to comment. The wall about, of movies I have, which I'm not, sure not Fight Club's over there. You've got like three Amazon boxes laying on your couch right there. It's just, you know, just deliveries doing, are doing always coming part, in. Doing your part. <laughs> <laughs> really going after that minimalism construct there. There's certainly something to be said for it as far as like, you know, the clutter of things or like, did I, why did I buy this? I'm sure you've gone through that same thing where it's like, what, why do I own this? Or like me, like the shrink wrap movies that I probably bought like on discount from a black Friday that have sat there yeah. for a decade and I've never bothered. Or I just click Netflix, click play. Cause I'm too lazy. I would get them off the shelf. I understand that. 
I far more understand office space though, where, <laughs> you know, job security and people like looking for just sort of like that, like the bare minimum being asked of me from my company. Uh, and to, to know that as long as you will put up with bullshit, like you're good. Like as long as you will put up with 10 seconds of bullshit to start your day, you have freedom for, yeah. for very much. You're, you have paid freedom. Spoken like a true old man, quote unquote, <laughs> job security is what's important. Not job satisfaction, not your happiness, none of that. Job security. Make sure those bills are paid. Make sure those Amazon packages keep, keep coming, coming in, my man. Keep coming. I need that. Uh, I need that old Game Boy disc that I missed out on. You know, twenty years ago. Um, hey, so you're for not me, talking to nasty Hellcat here. <laughs> oh, How dare boy. you, sir? Oh, how big are those boxes that bring the gaming chairs? <laughs> yeah, the ones that have to be assembled. Uh, I'll have to get on to him about that. Yeah, see speaking what he's of got assembled, man, around. don't stay away from IKEA, man. Jesus. But uh, I, I was I was going back on this 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 idea of uh, getting old, and I watched Pretty Woman when I was uh, a little too young to understand what a hooker was. Um, I don't That's think same I, actually, yeah. Right, like, so because I saw it as like an eight-year-old, and didn't yeah, really under, I didn't really understand the transactional yes relationship exactly. that much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I watched it, and you know, it's this huge romantic comedy, one of the biggest of all time. Uh, turned Julia Roberts into this star, Richard Gere being the handsome thing. She's a hooker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I watch it with my forty-two-year-old man eyes, and I'm, I okay. Uh, it doesn't quite. Uh, have the the magical aura around it because in my head I'm starting to dig into some of the you know plot points. What number customer was he that night? Well, Richard Gere is like he's like the ideal customer, right? He's yeah, very, he's, yeah. he's not very demanding, very hands off, and it's like let me buy a lot of stuff. Let's hang out. Let's hang I out want, for a week. I want the the Pretty Woman prequel that shows. The opposite end of the spectrum, the fat belly, hairy hmm. guy that wants to do the freak shit, that the real nasty, <laughs> demeaning stuff that she has to put up with on a day to day basis. We get none of that. All we get is the knight in shining armor stuff. And you don't uh, get the uh, Octavia Spencer and Bad Santa. I think it's my favorite prostitute on film. Is there a pod- Is there an episode where Bad Santa doesn't come up between us? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that that is the origin of our friendship. Was me thinking like, all right, I've listened to this uh, true bromance show. Uh, Bad Santa's coming up on our schedule. Perfect guest for it. He's gonna love it. I, I try to cater to my guests, and you came in and just like hated every second of it. Oh, and I worst. was like totally thrown off. I'm like, okay, so I don't know just because I know like that podcast voice. I don't actually know the person, so I gotta get to know to you know learn how to. Uh, befriend this man and that was probably my <laughs> ultimate mistake <laughs> it was my curiosity of your hatred for bad santa yeah maybe i'm still a little bitter at uh billy bob uh soiling young angelina jolie or like just that that visual that they gave me of just weird awkward old man young woman pda uh, she's a just, nut anyway i mean what yeah but- i feel bad for brad pitt <laughs> he's, he's he's locked into some like you know until their death relationship because with their eight to twelve kids yeah they how many did they adopt? Like, come on man uh, at some point but you know child support payments don't matter to that guy he doesn't care it's like whatever just give me another gin and tonic so you're you're using my office space argument against me that he's got to put up with like maybe 15 seconds of awkwardness of like dropping the kids off and he's yeah. fine like yeah, just put good. up with it. okay fair i'll and concede got, or, that point you know he's got enough money that somebody will do it for him yeah, he'll pay someone, and yeah. they'll be thankful for that job security to deal with that nut job. 
Exactly. Exactly. There is a. I've never like found. I'm sure it's online somewhere, but I, I believe the original title of Pretty Woman was three thousand, as in like the payment that was made. Oh God, that'd be bad. And uh, apparently, the ending of that film, he drops her back off as like, "Thank you for your service." And drops okay, off. now that it's <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> was that true? Like that? Yeah. Like the, the, it, was, they, uh, it was apparently like a much darker movie, like a drama, like of sorts. So now, was that filmed? Right? No, no, was, no, 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 no. That, that this the script, is the script. That was the script that was being passed around, and then it got, you know, they got their hands on it. What animal writes something like, like that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, it probably went on to do, like, Leaving Las Vegas or something. There there like, you go. Like, did the movie crescendo as, like, Pretty Woman does? Does it get to that high where she's super in love and they're in love and all that stuff? Or was it, you know, more Leaving Las Vegas style? Just kind of flat? I, I would, I would, uh, I guess it is darker if it's Pretty Woman. And then they just sucker punch you, slapping the back of the head with that ending, right? Yeah, it's exactly. just like, like a what's rom-com. going on here, man? If it's leaving Las Vegas the whole time, you're like, okay, yeah, this is the world we're in. Um, How does 300 hold up for you? 300? Yes. I thought it was dumb when I watched it the first time. Ah, dumb so, dumb okay. fun. Uh, yeah. But I, I I didn't put it up on some sort of pedestal where I was yeah. like, this guy, you know, he's going <laughs> to give him Watchmen next. This is this is a thinking man. He needs to tackle something else. Like, I thought he's perfect for this Sin City style movies. Uh, just like, you know, jacked up dudes. Like, like it's like a rugby match or something in that game. Yeah, like, they're, right. They're, they're killing each other. Um, I feel like that, that movie lends itself to really pushing people off as, as they get older, right? Because it's so much sheen. It's so much style. It's so much noise. And there's not there's nothing behind it, so it's got that look too. It's gonna yeah. sort of like time stamp it for this like this little period. Um, there was that movie, The Spirit, that uh, Frank Miller himself, I guess, tried to do his version of like Sin City, like 300. Like yeah, that, that very, dude like, thought, oh, uh, Robert Rodriguez or whoever, <laughs> let me stand on the set. That means I'm qualified <laughs> to come do this thing. Get out of here, man. Go go back to coloring pages. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Go back to get out your crayons and make some uh, funny books again. Yeah. Um, What's Archie up to these days? <laughs> apparently, the, you know, they even did the uh, was it that Riverdale? That's like the like the dark version of it, like the dark teenage drama. Uh, I don't understand such yeah, things. Where, where are we going um, with all of this? <laughs> I mean, I guess that you know they've they've got to try to like anything that you liked when you were younger. They've got to like try to meet your age decades later to that's like point. rebrand the property and maybe that's um, that's uh that's sort of the theme of this this episode here is you know they're, they're trying to catch up to us maybe i'm going to start looking at remakes and reboots a little differently hmm. i i the podcast i chose did the opposite of that so i don't have like a natural transition point uh other than saying like i'm looking at and i actually another one this second episode in a row i just stumbled across this i didn't i started listening to it not thinking i'm gonna use it for this particular topic uh, because the, the show I'm using is called, uh, this had Oscar buzz and I found it cause I was reveling in the, uh, the hate for green books victory at this Hold year's on. Oscars. This had Oscar Wars past tense. Yes. So they're looking and, at movies that, you know, had, bu- had the buzz, but then just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. And it's a really, it's actually a really cool concept for an interesting podcast. Yeah. Uh, cause the, the films they're discussing, um, they're not going to touch green book because what they're touching is like, uh, you know how people, um, will do like, you know, here next fall, here are going to be the Oscar contenders. Those are the ones they're looking at. The ones that people announced six months out and yeah. then tanked or were reviled, whatever. Yeah. Like the so Sunday. Me, Earl, the dying girl. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So the film that they were focusing on for this episode, and uh, as I said, I didn't go through their back catalog. I was just clicking on like the most recent thing because I was just like in an Oscar mood that week. Uh, was Chris Columbus and his version of Rent, the musical from the mid nineties, which came out. The film version didn't come out until ten years later, uh, two thousand five, Thanksgiving weekend, two thousand five. It's interesting, like because. I think the people who are the actual super fans of Rent have a harder time with this movie. And, um, like, because it's this kind of weirdly maligned thing now, because if you were really into Rent at the time and, like, what it was, what its themes were and, like, what it was talking about going on in American society and homelessness and HIV AIDS, like, you recognize it, at least from what it was at the time, as this incredibly authentic expression of what was going on especially in new york city whereas if you didn't it's like it feels incredibly dated now yeah it's like it feels like a period piece it does so given the premise of the show they're talking about they kind of give you the context right like chicago wins best picture for was that 2002 i believe was the year that it won so they try Um, to like piggyback off of that you like Chicago, you will love this. They went through a whole string of, like, here are, like, the musicals. And I, they mentioned Moulin Rouge being, like, box office hit in summer 2001 and how, like, that, like, for that, like, early to mid-2000s period, uh, musicals were, like, the big push. Phantom of the Opera, I got a Joel Nine. Schumacher film. Nine is one that... Uh, the goat couldn't say that, man. <laughs> I think uh, Nine is even mentioned on their show saying that it was so bad that they don't even know if it qualifies like for <laughs> that it ever had Oscar buzz. <laughs> oh, man. That's rough. Um, but to your topic, I thought it, it fit because what they did with Rent, the decision that was made, uh, Columbus just used most of the original cast. I think there are two parts, uh, Rosario Dawson being one um, that were recast, but Everyone else was, uh, and Tracy Toms also. Everyone else, though, is playing the part they played from the original production, which got a lot of hype initially. They're like, oh, that, it was very, uh, you know, comp booky. Like, you know, we're talking about 300 or Watchmen in particular. I remember the hype from Watchmen was Snyder's using like the exact panels as his storyboard. Like he's, you know, shot for shot almost. And then people see it and getting to your, your concept of how you know, you don't realize how much you've aged or things are aging with you. People are like, man, these are, this plays a lot different when it's like mid thirties to <laughs> early forties complaining about paying their rent. Like, yeah, he's a bohemian artist. And it was interesting because it kind of made the viewer themselves reflect on. And one of the hosts actually brought up likening back to my office space reaction that he went through a phase where, you know, in his, uh, uh, early twenties, he might have been like, you know, why, you know, why can't these people just create their art? Why do they have to pay rent? <laughs> when he's watching it again, he's like, okay, like it's time to adult up. Like if yeah. you if you if you got a thirty five year old man, uh, you got to pay your bills. You can't just leech off society and people. Like you're 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 punishing someone else. Unless you're to, the dude uh, from Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> coming to a future episode. Of there you go, Marcus Flight. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's. Uh, that's interesting, but is it unfair, Hiro? And then, and and also this podcast, they get back into it. They they kind of kick that ball around, so they they go further than that. It's not that this guy just condemned the this movie, although he, I don't think either one of them really liked it that much, right? Um, but when you pull something back out that really affected you in your youth and was meant for that, it was like written by a young man, starred young people, and was about 
that particular point in life, like young 20 something. And some of these characters are teenagers who would authentically have that viewpoint. Is it fair to judge it? Like when you dig it out of, you know, uh, your shelf, uh, right. or your Amazon box yeah. as a 40 something. And then you're like griping at the characters for having a viewpoint that you may have shared 20 years ago. See immediately in my head, you know, I start thinking about my, uh, my other co-host Barry over on true romance. Right. So, He's a hater of Francis Ha. And hmm, I like that movie. That sort of aimless um stage in your life where mm-hmm. you know similar to those guys in rent, right? They're they're kind of in that transition phase. We've all been there, you know, kind of starting to earn a little bit of money, but not enough to actually sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. But man, he really <laughs> like hates, hates, hates that situation. Like I could see him just shutting that off about halfway through. Shutting that rent thing off. Do you think he always was that way? Like, if he saw this as, uh, you know, if he's 21, 22 he's watching that. He's a very that. literal guy, right? So <laughs> he doesn't like anybody talk about about the military, uh, like pay your the, bills. <laughs> I believe we had a conversation, or maybe I'm just, I just listened to uh, your all's brief discussion on it. I think eighth grade, he seemed to really dislike yes. the main character who is. What did you say, 14? Yeah, he's 15? like, what? why are you disrespecting your dad so much? <laughs> come look at this belt, girl. Because <laughs> every 14 or 15-year-old like has yeah, that, you know. Exactly. And, lashing out face. And I, you know what? You, you make a really interesting point. Is it fair? Because it really wasn't intended for Michael Denniston at 35 with long mm-hmm. hair. It is intended for Michael <laughs> well, that Denniston. That was unfair right there. My- that last, the age was enough, <laughs> what, sir. What? It was just... Just a descriptor. <laughs> it was intended for Michael Denniston, you know, 19, bushy afro, mm-hmm. whatever it was that he had going on. Sure. Um, I'm a know, Green like, Book supporter. Probably That's popping out of the hat like the guys from Everybody Wants Some, <laughs> the ball cap. It was definitely bulging out there. Okay. hold on. Now, that is a great counterpoint, though, because I believe your co-host Barry, yourself, love it. and me, love that movie. Now, and that is harkening back to a particular point in time. That's just as far back as the rent. But that people, movie but- serves to transport you, right? That movie is actively trying. It's it's made by a man looking back, right? Mm-hmm. Linklater isn't out there, you know, hitting fungos anymore, right? Or maybe he is. He's a rich guy, you know. But it's meant to transport you, transport you to a place, whereas it's not made by a young person, you know, who's reflecting on their current strife. You mm-hmm. know I mean? There's a different sort of okay. tone message there they look at it very everybody wants some looks at it very uh like wistfully you know it's a very nostalgic thing you know the, it, it looks at it with a very loving eyes where something like is it hot easily, it's just that she's just fucking complaining the whole time and well, she ain't paying yeah, no bills <laughs> i think the 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 period piece aspect of it helps everybody want some like because yes. it's made by a man who's like this is what i was like in what 1980 or the early 80s right. like i'm and you could easily make that movie now. I'm sure. I mean, there would be some unfortunate societal differences as far as how often those people are not probably conversing with one another and they're on their phones may, may be a sure. thing, but I'm sure you could get a group of college baseball team together and you could follow them for a week in a partying and no, it would be, be a good fairly time. similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, even to, to narrow the scope a little bit more, you know, in that movie, and everybody wants some. He looks back at these like great grand moments, right? These these parties and these big events that they had, um, and it, you kind of point that with something like Boyhood from Linklater, also, where he's really examining sort of the in betweens, those little things that um, that you tend to hang on to with your memory, 
And I just wonder, you know, looking back, how that will kind of stand the test of time as far as how you watch it. Like if you watch Everybody Wants Some 20 years from now, uh, when you and, and the Nasty Hellcat look exactly alike, um, <laughs> will you enjoy it as much? Let's go dark here. <laughs> 20 years from now, I'll be happy if Nasty Hellcat is still with us with his <laughs> what he's done to his body. He'll be so okay. Let me rephrase then. As na- you and Nasty Hellcat, Nasty Hellcat sitting in his bottle of formaldehyde, like like uh, like Luke Skywalker in Empire, kind of in the little little glass container all yeah, connected. Yeah. He's like Krang from uh, from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> there's there's something that holds up, but <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Please uh, check out my podcast, Sober Cinema, to hear Krang uh, speak on films. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought talking about Krang, but you see where I was going with it, right? Like, you know, it's everybody wants some as looks back at, at that time nostalgically. He looks at those big events, those great times. Whereas boyhood looks at the in-betweens and I don't know as I get older, what I will cherish more. Right. I don't, I don't know. Well, boyhood like, has a crutch, not in a negative way, but yes. um, you know, that came out, God, that was what, five years ago at this point, boyhood. Yeah. Uh, man. Um, so at that point I'm, you know, much older than this kid. Even when you get to the end point where he's entering college, uh, and I was already, even though I don't have children, gravitating towards the Ethan Hawke character. And I think if you're that that that's a that's a known at all in all movies, gravitating towards it. Sure. It's a good rule. But I, I never felt, and I think you and I have had conversations about that that film, even in reference to eighth grade, where it's like where the father character is someone where you can kind of see see through their eyes how they're looking at their yeah. child. And Ethan Hawke's character in Boyhood is really the one that has the the arc. Like I remember hearing some criticisms about, you know, our, our main character, the boy in boyhood, like not changing that much or not having like sort of the, the cl- sort of clean narrative cutoff where it's like, he's become uh, a man now. Yeah. Like he's Darth Vader now. Yeah. No, no, th- there's no that he's still kind of like awkward and like, you know, he's probably going to like fumble along just like his dad, but dad has the adult version where you see him as like, you know, he could possibly go into deadbeat territory and how he kind of changes. I mean, he has that great last final conversation with his son. I think they're at the, that bar or whatever. Yeah. And you, you can tell he's like totally comfortable in his own skin. He's been through a lot of transitions, a lot of he different sold relationships. He the station wagon, you know, for the new kids. <laughs> you know, he's entered into this. He's become a family man again. Uh, and he's, you know, no longer just out drinking. Like, let's go to ball games. Like, he's no longer the cool young guy. He's settled. But it's it's not meant as some sort of depressing statement. Like Linklater looks at him like a sellout, and that may be the best thing I can say about the the main characters. I don't think he does either at that point. Like it's just like you end up sort of finding your uh your place in the world. Yeah, I think it's implied that he he you, we view Ethan Hawke and he grew and the kid grew along with him. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the implication is by seeing Ethan Hawke's arc, we're also seeing his. Because he is able to recognize that and mm-hmm. still have that engagement with his dad. His dad gives him that Beatles album or whatever it is. You know, there's there that's still there. I think that Ethan Hawke's character actually informs the other the other kid. Yes, yes. You know, and you see the growth through his dad's eyes, similar to you know eighth grade. So, do you think it's uh that's what's necessary to uh for the, the film like the films that we're saying? Have like, Ethan Hawke? Yes. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Uh, that goes unsaid, my friend. Um. Never to appear at the Oscars, though. Like, not... Fucking damn shame. <laughs> First Reformed. Just not 
not good enough. Uh, as much as I love Green Book, uh, Vigo Mortensen being nominated for the, the Dumb and Dumber, uh, role that he played, like playing the buffoon. Yeah, um, that's just, yeah. So do you think you need that sort of like outside voice here? Because like the film that I, I chose for this podcast, Rent, uh, they were focusing on with uh, this had Oscar buzz. Like the, the only outside voice that one has, I believe is Tay Diggs. Who's like <laughs> the money man sellout asshole. I think In there's rent. even like okay. multiple, multiple songs where they're calling him a sellout. So anyone that is providing a different outlook is an outcast. in in that particular film, that may be where the trouble spots are as far as like these type of things aging. If you yeah, just have that sort of one side of the fair. The rest of us are over here paying our bills and shit. Yes. <laughs> and so they're calling me. Solid. That's the same problem I had with like Birdman. You know, Birdman is nothing but do- taking pot shots at me the entire film. And then I'm supposed to revel in its glory. Get out of here with that. I think that probably if I, uh, I've just gotten into using Letterboxd. Uh, and because I, I started a fresh account where like no one follows me, and I'm wait like, wait a second, f- you mocked me. You see, this just goes back to the other episode where you made me not watch something and not do something. I forget what it was. Hmm. I'll come back. But Letterboxd is another one. You stay mocked on, me openly about staying uh, on theme. I think this was me telling you you're giving away free content. Yeah, like, more of the save same it for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, considering how irregularly we put out content these days, <laughs> it might be a new. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to get back to Letterboxd. Yeah. Um. No, I, I guess I'm just using it in its purest form. Like, you know, I have like six followers. I'm following six. It's just like, you know, my friends where it's like, hey, what do okay. you watch? And I'm just using it as a, you know, a tool to like, oh, do you Andrew, write watch stuff this. on there or do you just give it the stars? I'm actually pushing myself that everything I watch, I do like a very brief, like, here was my immediate thought on it. Like, usually something sarcastic. It would be something I could tweet. But I'm still holding to, I'm not going to give away tweets for free. I'm not tweeting. Because <laughs> like, to tweet something means that someone's going to jump in with a conversation with me. And I'm not there to have a conversation. I'm there to just, it's just like a little diary, like a pure diary of like. I don't know if it's a diary. I think it's more of you on top of a house shouting that you're a golden god. Because you're forcing people to, to listen to your nonsense, <laughs> but not no, no, giving no, no, them an no. avenue to You don't want to hear what they got to say. Only my voice matters. I mean, I, I think because if you had a diary, you just you, write it in your diary. You write it on and, pen and paper. I'm not gonna do. That. I'll lose that. I got too much shit around the house. As Look you at see. that. Like, I, yeah. Um, no, I, I think uh, I started challenging myself because I'm like boyhood. I would wonder five years ago what was my immediate thought on it, and I just I would like to just be able to go back and just have that there. Yeah. So um, nice little time capsule there. Yeah. But I noticed you don't use Letterbox, so you know, you're useless to be I, on there. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm starting to realize that our age differences, because I am older, I'm the more mature, more hmm. world-wise guy. I should just stop go. listening to your advice. <laughs> because three years later, when you catch up to the age that I was then, you start doing the shit that I was about to do and that you talked me out of. You stupid bastard. Get off Letterbox. You wasted content. How dumb is that? And now here you are. You caught up. Uh, I think I took I'm the- learning uh, from you. I, th- I th- believe I took the at Marcus played handle as well for my new account on there. So this is actually Did officially you? sanctioned. Yeah. You son I of thought a- about you. I thought about you. I was like, maybe I should give this up to Hiro and I'll take one of my 12 other podcasts and just brand there. But you know, cause he's obviously not using at true bromance or whatever. Cause there's like nothing. It's empty. Even Barry, your co-host Barry like uses letterbox. It's cause he's not a lot of podcasts. So he's just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> He's got to do it that way. <laughs> Don't trample over a man's, you know, chosen platform for his art. Yeah, he's just, he's trying to find his voice. Like, you know, he, he doesn't have Ethan Hawke around. His Ethan Hawke moved to Germany. So he's got he's got to find himself. 
on Letterboxd. Yeah, maybe he will. Maybe he will there. Um, I would pimp out his account, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> no clue, because I didn't even know he had an account. <laughs> That's how tight we are. <laughs> so, uh, do you think, uh, what, what do you think is a current film now, or maybe like one of the last you know few years, do you think uh, people are going to come back? And if they did have the uh, the balls to to put their their fresh takes, their immediate reactions on Letterbox, that that's something they're going to delete, or they're gonna they're gonna be somewhat uh, ashamed of twenty years from now. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, really? No, of course not. I think those people will go to their graves saying that they're oh, yeah. the, the best thing ever. Um, you kind of got me here on a on a, on a awkward spot. Um, oh, well, it's but, hard to project out because yeah, it sounds exactly. like you're sounds like I, I'm positioning you to like point the finger at people saying I'm right now, and you're going to realize 20 years from now how right I was. So, which is not really that's not really what I'm asking. You maybe even the turn that towards yourself. Is there something that you uh, you think maybe this is only going to work for me now, and uh, it's not going to be long lasting? It's not going to be something that sits on the shelf for decades. You know, something like Inside Out. You know, the Pixar joint that that captures huh. like a. a like, I don't know, but that, 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 that is a perfect storm that captures that perfect moment in my life. You know, cause there was a lot of factors outside the film in my life that kind of, um, amplified that movie quite a bit. So, um, who's to say? Or maybe it gets better with time as, you know, I look back on my kids nostalgically and blah, blah, blah. Right now, as they're yelling in the background, I just want to go down and throw something at them, tell them, quiet down. <laughs> There's a podcast going on here. <laughs> But uh, it's still going. That, that's the name of our yeah. next podcast. Yeah. Oh, it's God, still going. it's still going. But, you know, maybe I'll look back on it nostalgically and maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just uh, look at it more objectively like, eh, it's just a cartoon. I'm going to pimp out a, a another upcoming episode. The one, And I think until we release uh, an episode for Under the Silver Lake, I'm going to keep mentioning it, just like you mentioned it okay. last episode. That is one that feels like a young man's movie. It f- feels like it's made by... Uh, uh, it's like a much lesser version of PTA's Boogie Nights, like a guy who had some success and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go fucking crazy. I've got this crazy script. I've got these ideas I want to follow through on. The movie itself doesn't totally follow through on everything he throws at the wall, but it feels like a movie where the guy just got his hands on some money and was able to go nuts with it. And I wonder if maybe actually Boogie Nights probably isn't the correct analogy, but I've heard Paul Thomas Anderson speak of Magnolia. 20 years after the fact is I would have cut now I would cut a half hour out of it. But he's also said like, I also probably wouldn't make that movie now. Like there's that honest reaction of like, that's made by someone that's like much different from me because it was 20 years ago. He's a very yeah. different filmmaker, but I must say something like under the silver, silver lake, even, even as someone who enjoyed it and was like trying to push you to watch it. And you, you know, you took my, uh, <laughs> my recommendation and sat on it for <laughs> two or three months. Uh, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't know as a 60-year-old how I would react to watching Under the Silver Lake again. I think that's a pretty obvious one, even, even though I'm sort of enthusiastic about it now. As a 60-year-old, 60, 60 I'll probably like it even more, consider the creep factor. There we go. Dirty old man. <laughs> that 60-year-olds bring to the table, you know? Uh, <laughs> that movie, man. I, I don't want to give too much away. I really liked it for the most part. You know, it, it, it doesn't stick to landing for sure. Um, I, that that final shot is just leaves me kind of wanting more. Um, I don't know. I don't think you. I, I don't think that movie. Well, is I think that's a bad example because you have to like talk about something that people have have are actually going to see. I don't think 
Under the Silver Lake's going to get an audience whatsoever. Um, I think that that movie appeals to no one. I don't think Andrew Garfield's a big enough star to drag people in. And uh, well, I don't know if everybody wants some. Really, ever got that much of an audience? Either. No, it didn't. Because like, there was there were a lot of complaints about it. Like, oh, it's just like it's about dumb jocks. Like, and uh, there was a strange focus on like you know dumb white guys in college. Like, I've been around these people like for decades. They're not interesting, and that's fair as far as like it is talking about a like generic type. But as we've talked about before, I like I find that movie kind of incredibly moving in a way because it captures something like in my youth and the friendships I've made with people. Like I've from been high around your friends. Up. I've been around your circle. That and is the, the you are the target audience for that movie. Yes. Yeah. That I mean that that's sort of like trying to maintain that, that those bonds through like stupid games or challenging each other. That is something that's very much part of my world. So like while I can understand people like that's not for me. Uh, it's, it's like the one time where I'm like, yes, that's, and that's, that's cool. It's cool that it is so oddly specific to a certain type of like, uh, t- type of friendship and male bonding that, uh, I, I just love. I, I, I love that. But, you know, not everything can be green book. Wow. There's a way to find it, finish it up. There's a way to put the bow tie on it. Uh, by the way, everybody wants some made 4.6 million. So they're, my argument about nobody's going to see that. I don't know. Under the Silver Lake might do that opening weekend. I, I don't know. I know what I'm going to say right now. I don't think you'll even make that domestically. No way. There's yeah. no way Under the Silver Lake makes as yeah. much as everybody wants them. We're like, uh, this is the, the true degenerate gambler's bet. You know, it's not like the big game. We're talking about a, a high school game. Lay it's money also down. really nerdy. It's really like, yeah. Where the the dorks like, like can we go to out. Vegas? Is there, is there is there a bet on uh, the over under for and everybody wants some? Is the is the line where you have under the Silver Lake? But well. you know what? There's the internet. Don't don't put it. I mean, possibly, possibly there's that type of bet. Well, I'm sure Granny Six Nine would love to lay down. There we go. A bet there. Follow us at Granny Six Nine on Instagram.